for our first message today. We have a split sermon from Mr. Mark McGarvey entitled Courage, Prayer, and Faith uh, with the emphasis on Desmond Ross. Mr. McGarvey. Good afternoon, everyone. A bit light in numbers this afternoon, but I'm sure a few more will come in as uh, we get past the road work. It's a nightmare out there. This is my delivery area that I work every day, so it's uh, not, not good right now. I don't care for the rain either. Growing up in a country where it rains every other day, I can do without it, you know. Well, there are some um, true life stories that one can come across, and they are stranger than fiction. Um, or did that really happen? A story, story is so amazing and so compelling that they just have to be told. I want to talk today about one such individual whose story is unbelievable, Desmond Doss. Um, there was a movie that came out back in November um, called Hacksaw Ridge, uh, directed by uh, Mel Gibson, um, and it chronicles the, the story of Desmond Doss. Um, he was, he became legendary after a situation in World War II on the island of Okinawa, but the, the movie just portrays part of his, his life before the war and then while he was over there and what happened. Um, it's a good movie, I recommend it. Um, it is R-rated, there are some bloody scenes, some gory scenes, um, but the story uh, really shines through what happened. Um, I'm going to do a like a, a three-part series on these on true life stories on three individuals uh, whose stories relate to this title, um, and I decided to do these guys these stories over the last 100 years, um, and I chose the last 100 years in the sense that it, we can relate a bit more to these individuals and their stories rather than if it'd been story from 500 years ago, 800 years ago, 1,000 years ago. There are, there are multiple stories down through the ages of people who can fit this title. But I wanted to make it a bit more uh, newer, modern. Um, so who was Desmond Doss? He was born in uh, Lynch, Lynchburg, Virginia in 1919. Uh, his mother raised him a devout seven-day Adventist. Um, she also raised him to be nonviolent and a vegetarian. Um, now, in the story, in the movie, and by the way, there's a, a 2004 uh, documentary about his life story. I recommend it uh, even more so, because it's not R-rated, it's a documentary. It's called The Conscientious Objector. Very, very well-made uh, documentary, about an hour and a half long, um, by a guy called Terry Benedict. And uh, he actually spoke to Desmond because Desmond died in 2006, but he actually spoke to him at the time, and so he's in there. And some of his, uh, the guys he fought alongside with in, in uh, the South Pacific. Um, you know, Desmond, uh, growing up, they, were, they grew up in the country, um, and they lived through the, uh, the Great Depression. Um, his dad had been a soldier in the First World War, and when he came back, Carpenter. Okay, anyway, um, 
I'm going to speak up. Maybe can you hear me okay in the back? Okay. Uh, now there was a an incident with his his dad and his uncle when he was growing up as a kid, where um, I think his uncle pulled a gun on his dad. They got into a massive argument and a fight. They went outside their house, and uh, I believe in this story from what I've read that. Um, the, the gun was wrestled away from the uncle, and his mom gave the gun to Desmond. He went ahead and put it in the house or hid it so they wouldn't kill each other, the, the, his dad and his, his uncle. And then in the, the home, there were uh, religious pictures up all around the house with the Ten Commandments. And one of them always stuck out for Desmond as he was growing up as a child and, and into a teenager. It was a picture of... Uh, uh, Cain standing over Abel after he killed him with a, a wooden club and it said thou shalt not kill um, so then in uh, he was drafted into the army uh, for World War II after Pearl Harbor in December 1941 um, he was drafted into the army in April 1942 and he was uh, sent off to uh, boot camp there was an example earlier when he was a boy, a teenager, um, when he walked six miles to give blood to a complete stranger after a, uh, an accident victim, um, a call went out on the local radio station for uh, donors. He then walked the six miles home after giving blood and then did it again a couple of days later. So from an early age, this man was developing a well-rounded character all through his life, and partic particularly his experiences in World War II, Doss displayed courage, he always prayed, and he had tremendous faith. So, the dictionary definition of courage is, quote, the choice and willingness to confront agony, pain, danger, uncertainty, or intimidation. He is the only one, as far as I know, the only conscientious objector to receive the Medal of Honor after World War II in 1945 by President Harry Truman. So after he was drafted in April 1942, uh, he went to uh, the closest barracks to him, were in Camp Lee, Virginia. Uh, he was there for a few months, boot camp, and then he went on to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And then after that, they went over to out west to the Arizona desert for a few months for some desert training. But his treatment when he, isn't, when he was uh, training um, really went a bit too far with some of his, uh, the guys that were there with him because they found out that you know, he was a Seventh-day Adventist. He didn't want to do anything on the Sabbath. Um, he was nonviolent. He didn't want to didn't want to touch a gun, never mind carry one or train with one. So he had a lot of obstacles to overcome throughout training. The guys didn't like him. They would uh, throw boots at him when he was praying. When he was down on his knees by his bed, they would, they taunt him, they pick on him, they beat him up. That happened a couple of times. Um, and he never gave in. He never reported them. He just kept on going, kept on plowing on because he knew the end goal, where he, what he wanted to do would be, would be worth it. He wanted to be a medic. He didn't need to carry a gun. He didn't want to carry a gun. And he fought to become a medic out there. Um, 
and through a lot of heartache and trial and pain, he eventually got there. Um, the Mel Gibson movie does show some of what happened in the barracks, and the documentary also interviewed some of his, the guys he was with there, and um, they couldn't understand what his deal was. And with um, the Sabbath, you know, why does he get to have that day off? Why can't we have that off? You know, he'd be over there, he'd, he'd go and pray. There was a chapel on the, uh, in the camp, and he would read his Bible. He kept a small little Bible with him the whole time throughout training and then on out to the South Pacific the whole time. Um, but they couldn't understand it. They didn't understand. They didn't, they didn't want to understand. They thought he was a coward. He wouldn't carry a gun. He wouldn't fight. He wouldn't fight back against them. And they, so from the get-go, he was really facing an uphill battle in every sense of the word. Anyway, he finally got assigned as a medic in B Company, 1st Battalion, 307th Infantry, the 77th Infantry Division. And they were first shipped out to Guam and then, I uh, hope I'm pronouncing this right, Leyte in the Philippines. Um, and Desmond Doss always saw himself as a, 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 he called himself a conscientious cooperator rather than, than objector. There's a scene in the movie um, which has Thomas Doss, his dad, uh, who had been a soldier in the First World War, like I mentioned, tell Desmond before he gets shipped off to boot camp, whatever your beliefs you have in your crazy head now, they won't ever play out. And how many times have I heard that or read about that, where young guy who is getting ready to go off to war, looking forward to becoming a hero and getting the bad guys and doing this, that, and the other thing, and when they actually get there, it's a whole different story where sometimes friends get killed, and you see uh, amazing carnage, people getting limbs blown off and so on, and, and it, it really changes their whole outlook in a very short time. Um, but Desmond said he wanted to go to the front line to save life, not take life. So after Guam and the Philippines, they were there for uh, between the two, about two years, Doss is, uh, or about a year, sorry, Doss's platoon were sent to Okinawa in 1945, and this is where Desmond Doss became a legend. Um, now, like Mel Gibson's other movies, there is graphic violence, not as much as at the Passion of the Christ, uh, but to portray both the crucifixion of Christ and a, you know, a Second World War story in the Pacific and to cover those stories correctly and truthfully, there's going to be some blood and so on. So, May 1945, um, there was an area on the south part of the island called the uh, Mida Escarpment, or Hacksaw Ridge. And the U.S. forces were bombing that area from the sea, and Desmond Doss and those companies were coming from the south and the US troops coming from the north trying to pin the Japanese in and there were apparently there were 300,000 um, civilians living on the island I didn't know that at the time so and there were about a hundred and uh, hundred and thirty thousand Japanese troops and about 50,000 Americans but um, this one incident was in May 1945 
uh, the, the companies were trying to make advances and go across this plateaued area, Hacksaw Ridge. The Japanese would go and hide down in, in caves and holes they'd made in the ground. They would get bombed from the sea. American troops would run towards them. They'd, they'd hold them back, and the Americans would have to retreat. And this kept on happening. Um, but to get up to that plateau, they had to build a, um, a cargo net up this oh, 150, 200-foot, kind of like a cliff area. There's no good way of getting up there because there was rocks and everything around. So they just threw a massive big cargo net up there. They'd have to climb up that to get to the plateaued area in a safe area where they, they could then advance. Um, so on this one uh, situation, this one incident, Desmond Doss's group were up there and they were getting hammered. They'd advance, guys were getting shot down, water bombs were, were blown up around all around them. And they had to retreat, and they all climbed back down the, the cargo net and went back to A camp down at the bottom of the cliff and regrouped and had to uh, reconvene. Well, Desmond had stayed up there because he was a medic and he was trying to take care of his guys. Well, over the next 12 hours over this one specific night is when this miracle happened. There was one of the guys that had said, there's some miracle, there's some, uh, there's some nut up there. Uh, one guy said uh, on the interview, um, at the time they, they thought everybody had come down, but they, they did a recount. And apart from the guys that were injured and being killed, they didn't realize Doss was still up there. And he went out there. There were bullets whizzing around him, mortar bombs being dropped. And he went out and retrieved, he'd bandage up and take care of his guys and retrieved them one at a time. And so Desmond thought he saved 50. Um, his captain thought he'd saved 100, so they came to an agreement of 75. Um, nobody, nobody was counting exactly, I guess, but over 12 hours he saved 75 guys, saved their lives. He'd bandaged them up. One guy in particular had his, both his legs blown off, um, but he uh, used the guy's belt around his, one of his legs and, and tied up the other leg to stop the blood flow. And one of the medics had given up on the guy earlier and left him there because you know, his legs were blown off. He thought he'd bleed to death. Well, that guy lived another 50 years, lived to be 72 or 73. Um, so he was out there. The Japanese didn't know he was there, but they'd be shooting anyway. They'd see a head popping up and this and that. And uh, there was a, a Japanese sniper out there, and he'd seen him and was trying to pick him off. Every time he'd get Desmond Doss in his sights, his gun would jam. Every time, the gun wouldn't fire. God was protecting the man. You know, there's no doubt about it, what happened here. Um, so anyway, on this 12-hour period, he saved 75 guys. And it's funny the, um, how he, he would grab each guy by the collar. He, he'd said in the interview that the easiest way for him to do it, because he was a small guy, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, only 150 pounds. Um, so what he'd had to do, he would grab a guy by the collar, by the back of his shirt or his jacket. He'd scooch down as low as he could, then he'd drag that guy and run back towards the, the cliff. And then he'd... Um, He'd developed this knot, a double loop knot, that he would put around the guy's legs and it would come up around his waist. And God helped him remember this knot, because he'd once heard about this knot when he was back in Virginia. 
he tried to make knots when he was going through training, uh, and this one knot would save these guys' lives. It looked funny, but it worked. He lowered each guy down, 75 guys, one at a time. He'd, he'd put the rope around himself, lower each one down, and the other medics that were down, the other guys were seeing these guys getting lowered down. Who's doing that? Where are these guys coming from? One at a time, these injured guys all bandaged up, coming down one at a time over the next 12 hours. Uh, he even sent down a few Japanese because the way he saw it, it was human lives. He, was, he saw a Japanese guy that was still wounded, still breathing next to one of his guys. He bandaged them up too and take care of him. Um, and the whole time he was out there, no gun, no revolver, nothing. And uh, some of the guys in the show mentioned when they, when he finally did come down the next morning, he was completely covered in blood, black and blue and dirty, almost unrecognizable from what he'd done. Um, so anyway, so that was the biggest incident which earned him his Medal of Honor, what he did that one night. Absolutely incredible. Um, a few days later, they had to try and advance again. The group came back again. He was all, all better and ready to go again. But he'd a newfound uh, respect from his fellow troops had, had occurred by then. And what they'd realized, what he'd done, was, was truly unbelievable. And they didn't want to go up there without him. He was their number one medic, the one guy they could rely on. Um, as it said in the documentary, he was their security blanket for Company B. The only problem was with this next advancement they were going to make, it was going to be on the Saturday, on the Sabbath. And he had a real issue with that. He did not want to go. And uh, the colonel and the captain figured this was the best time. We had everyone here. They had some extra companies there with them for support. And uh, Desmond made a bit of a deal. He said, as long as I can read my Bible before we make this advancement and go up the cargo net, I'll be okay. And one of the guys in the show was saying, like he, he went over there, he read his Bible, and it's like he had permission then after he'd finished. Well, they went up there, they got through, and they actually took the plateau this time. But in the process, he got injured himself. Um, he uh, was down in a, a hole with two other guys, and a grenade got thrown in there, uh, and he couldn't get to it in time. So he threw himself down on trying to cover one of the guys, and the bomb went off and severely damaged his legs. Um, and he couldn't move. He couldn't get out of there. Um, but two other medics were there at the time, and they put him on a litter and started to bring him back, back to the uh, edge of the cliff. But on his way back, uh, the, the bullets were flying around, the mortar bombs were continued to drop, and it took five hours. They had to keep, keep stopping and dropping down and, and turn around and shoot. And at one point, they went by a guy who was, um, had been shot in the head, had a head wound, and Desmond threw himself off the litter and, they, and told the guys, take care of him first, he's more important than I am. Although his legs were severely damaged, he couldn't walk. They went ahead and put him, the guy that had been shot in the head, put him on Desmond's litter and came back for Desmond later on. But while he was there, he got shot in the arm by a Japanese sniper and his arm got shattered. He then uh, found a rifle on the floor and it had been broken in half and he used part of that rifle as a way of crawling on his hands and knees uh, 
the last 100 or 300 yards back to the aid station by himself. And in all the, they, they, they got him down and, and they uh, shipped him off to the, uh, the Mercy ship out in the bay uh, where he was taken care of. He couldn't, he couldn't find any more. He was going to get shipped back to America. But when he was on the ship, there was one thing that he was missing after he uh, came to and everything. His Bible had at some point fallen out of his uh, uniform up there. And everyone in this company knew how important that was to him. He'd had it for the last three years. That they actually went up there and retrieved it for him. They went out into the combat zone and found his small pocket Bible. And uh, he couldn't believe that either. He said, they went out there and did that for me. Wow. And he got his, his good old trusty Bible back again before he shipped back to America. So... On the island of Okinawa, 115,000 Japanese troops were killed. Uh, 100,000 Japanese civilians died, a third of the island's population. And between 15 to 17,000 Americans were killed. Um, his wounds uh, that he sustained that day left him 100% disabled. He later lost a lung because he contracted tuberculosis on Okinawa. And then uh, a few years after that, a, an overdose they gave him of antibiotics for the TB left him totally deaf. Um, but then he was able to get a uh, cochlear implant in 1988. I think he must be one of the first ones to get that because I didn't know it was round back then, 30 years ago, but he got one. So that was the story which made Desmond Doss legendary. What he did over those 12 hours especially is what earned him his Medal of Honor. A truly an amazing story that honestly defies belief. And Mel Gibson said in an interview after he'd made the movie that he took some of those scenes out because he thought the audience wouldn't believe what actually happened, but it did. So of course there are, there are many notable stories of courage and faith in the Bible. David versus Goliath, the boy taking on and killing the giant. Abraham sacrificing his son to test his faith and going on that journey with his son not knowing really what the final outcome would be. Samson bringing down the temple to kill the 3,000. Paul who endured shipwrecks, beatings, yet still never stopped in his duty to preach the gospel. I want to turn to uh, Mark chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 here. Look at Mark chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. We have a situation here where Jesus um, was going to be tested by the Sanhedrin, the, uh, the Jewish authorities, and a controversy over the Sabbath healing. So Mark chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 1. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Then Jesus turned around and said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, 
to save life or to kill. But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Jesus doing what he always did, healing these people. He, he wasn't going to turn around and walk away from that guy. The guy had, uh, that man had enough faith and belief in Christ to, to approach him in the first place and to be there. And Jesus wasn't going to, you know, stop from healing the guy, even though it wasn't the Sabbath. He was to make this guy whole again, a lot more better. He sets an example to us all here, though, Jesus. He stands there facing his accusers and then he outsmarts them, not backing down. He's always our example of a person with courage and faith. A person who we can always look up to because what he did was always the best thing for us, always an example. You know, when I was preparing this message, I thought the, um, uh, the band Bethel Music, one of their songs, No Longer Slaves, that line kept coming back to me and I'd hear on the radio. There's a line in the song, uh, we're no longer slaves to fear. That's absolutely true. No matter what we've done in the past, we are saved by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His shed blood redeems us and sets us free. No matter what we've done. No matter who we are. To those vets who have been in, in combat amongst us here or watching online, God bless you. I thank you for your service. Most of us will never be put in a situation like what Desmond Doss went through. An enemy firing at you, trying to kill you. Grenades being thrown in your direction and exploding. Through all of it, he never changed his mind about grabbing a rifle. I'm sure it may have been tempting as one of his comrades got shot down right next to him or whatever. He never had a service revolver like the other medics to protect himself. But this, this was Desmond Doss's calling in life. You know, some, some people are born in a certain time and will experience particular things. And this was his calling in life. Yes, he was mocked for being in the army and not wanting to fire a gun. But who was the, the one who was remembered now? Who was the one who received the Medal of Honor and all the other medals he received? This was his calling. You know, Christ said faith could move a mountain. What kind of faith does it take to go out on a battlefield without a gun? Hmm? Unbelievable. Do we hold on to, hold firm to our conscience or our convictions? when under pressure or will we fold? We've got to be able to stand up and say yes. I believe in Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. You cannot break me. I believe in him to the bitter end. I want to turn to one other scripture here. Um, I've only got two scriptures today but uh, the book of Psalm chapter 18 verses 1 and 2. Psalm Psalms chapter 18 and just verses 1 and 2 here. 
Verse 1. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my de deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. The Lord is my rock, my strength, my savior, my deliverer. I wonder if Desmond Doss read this scripture when he was on that island of Okinawa. Because it sure is the kind of scripture that you'd think of would be inspirational. He'll power you through. Like I mentioned earlier, he, uh, Desmond Doss died in 2006 at the age of 87. He lived a good long life, peaceful life after the war. Simple life. Um, he couldn't work after uh, his, uh, his shattered arm. He wanted to be a carpenter like his dad after the war, but it, it, couldn't, it couldn't happen. So he just, he was on disability and uh, he would do some gardening around his house with his wife and just lived out the rest of his life uh, peaceably and, and calmly, in, uh, I believe, in, uh, back in Virginia and, and Georgia. But I want to close with, uh, there was an incident on Okinawa where Desmond Doss's Company B and another company were going to take turns to uh, try and capture an area where there was a, a Japanese machine gun, a good tactical maneuver to advance. They had to take it out before they could go further. Um, the, the other company went up there first and were decimated. And a bunch of the guys were, were killed and hardly any came back. Doss's B Company, before they went up there, he said a prayer for them. And I'm not sure how many were in, in the group that made the advance. Not one man got injured. No scrapes or bruises. And they took the machine gun turret. They did it. The power of prayer. So, I recommend the movie, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Um, Tremendous movie, an inspiring, incredible story, and I also recommend even more so the documentary, The Conscientious Objector, um, an amazing story.